if you have your Bibles, go with me this morning to Luke chapter 2, Luke chapter 2. I want to read verses 54 through 62 to you this morning at the New Living Translation. I believe we also are going to have this on the board, on the screen, yes. So they arrested him, him being Jesus, and led him to the high priest home. And Peter followed at a distance. The guards lit a fire in the middle of the courtyard and sat around it, and Peter joined them there. A servant girl noticed him in the firelight and began staring at him. Finally, she said, this man was one of Jesus' followers. But Peter denied it. Woman, he said, I don't even know the man. After a while, someone else looked at him and said, you must be one of them. No, man, I'm not. Peter retorted. About an hour later, someone else insisted, this must be one of them because he is a Galilean too. But Peter said, man, I don't know what you are talking about. And immediately while he was still speaking, the rooster crowed. At that moment, the Lord turned and looked at Peter. Suddenly, the Lord's words flashed through Peter's mind. Before the rooster crows tomorrow morning, you will deny three times that you even know me. And Peter left the courtyard weeping bitterly. Can you say amen to God's word? I'm just going to kind of just share my heart with you this morning. Uh, I, I just got into these scriptures and uh, I was just thinking, Lord, you know, where's the title? What, what are you, you know, where are you trying to take us? And, and I believe at the end it, it basically comes together. And, uh, but there's just so many nuggets of truth that, the Spirit of the Lord just began to, to pour into me. Just kind of some caution I, I saw here, some encouragement I, I saw in the Scripture, uh, just some things that we need to do, some things that we need to guard against, and, and just some things that will kind of help us understand better than that, you know, about the season that God has us in. Uh, as, as you know, uh, this is Michael and Jessica, uh, our uh, worship leaders uh, last Sunday. Uh, as I told you last week, God is just uh, uh, bringing them into a new season uh, of their life and into a, uh, a closer place of the fulfilling of their destiny. And uh, we're going to be kind of closing the service out with a, uh, him maybe giving him a chance to just share his heart just a little bit and give you a chance to, to love on them. Uh, this being their last Sunday, Jennifer Gowd is going to be uh, taking that over. Uh, but during that transition and during different seasons that we find our place in, our, ourselves in, uh, it, can, it can sometimes kind of get confusing and, and kind of uh, blindside us at times. And, and I think there's just some, some words here in Scripture this morning that, that will kind to just just help bring us to a place of rest and 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 bring us to a place of peace uh, 
and uh, just let us know that uh, uh, that God is still in charge. He's still in control. I believe that the words that Michael spoke over us and, and, and the words that the songs declared this morning, I believe that God is going to fulfill his word concerning what he has spoken over this body of believers, over his church, uh, for Gladewater and for this East Texas area. And uh, amen. I'm excited uh, about where God is taking us. But I understand that change and transition, uh, not only within the church, but just within the family. It can be difficult at times. So uh, we're just going to dive off here into the Word, and uh, uh, if it seems like I'm chasing rabbits uh, as I get started, just kind of bear with me and and uh, just let the Holy Spirit just perfect it in your heart and in your life, and just we'll bring it all together at the end. But notice that Simon is following Jesus at a distance. That's what the Bible says. Uh, Jesus has just uh, been arrested in the uh, Garden of Gethsemane. They have come and they have taken him. Uh, His disciples have all fled, but yet Peter follows him to the courtyard, to the house of the high priest, but he follows at a distance. He doesn't want to get too close. But I thought about that, and I want us to think about that a minute together. Moments ago, Simon, Peter, and Jesus were inseparable. I mean, Peter had been walking close to Jesus during his three-and-a-half-year ministry, and he saw and he heard all sorts of godly things. I mean, he seen just supernatural miracles. Uh, He saw blinded eyes open. Remember, he himself literally got out of the boat and walked on water. Anybody in this house ever walked on water? Uh, I didn't think so. I know I haven't. Um, I've got a boat if anybody would like to try walking on water. I would like to see it. Uh, I'd be glad to take you out and let you kind of step out there and try it sometime. Don, maybe next time we're fishing, you... uh, But, I mean, it's just amazing that the things he saw Jesus stop a funeral possession one time and raise the dead. He saw him go into a little girl's bedroom and raise the dead. He was there on the Mount of Transfiguration when Moses and Elijah was there talking with Jesus and Jesus was transformed. He heard the voice that came from heaven. This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased with. Listen to him. He was there for all of that. He was there when Jesus spit on the man. He was there in the tombs when the guy was possessed by demons. He was there when Jesus called the Syrophoenician woman a dog. He was there during all of that. Uh, He was there when the man, Lazarus, had been dead for four days and Jesus called him out of the grave. All of that. Peter had been walking in close fellowship with God. And he, he had seen all of those things. Some of us say, man, if I had seen all that, if I had walked with Jesus and, and man, he did all that stuff in my life and did all that stuff in the church I was in, man, I would never, I would never allow any distance between me and God, between me and the Lord. But here we find distance. We find Peter walking at a distance. Even after he had had experienced all the wonderful and mighty things, he was there when Jesus silenced the critics. You know, is it right to give and to pay taxes to Caesar? And Jesus says, hand me a coin. He said, 
whose inscription, whose picture, who, who is this on this coin? And they said, well, Caesar. He said, then render unto Caesar the things that are Caesar and render unto God the things that belong to God. He silenced the critics. Peter was there. He witnessed that. He confessed with his own mouth. Thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. You're more than a prophet. You're the son of the most high. He was there when Jesus asked, will you also go away? It was Peter that said, where would we go? You have the words of eternal life. But yet here we find him following at a distance. And it all happened. And it kind of just snuck up on Simon. He's just sitting there kind of resting and sleeping while Jesus is praying. Jesus is trying to get him to wake up and, and pray with him. But man... Simon just gives way to the flesh and he sleeps. And then all of a sudden, before he knows it, there's a crowd of soldiers there, guards. And they're arresting Jesus and taking him away. And that's kind of the way it is with our walk at times. Sometimes things just come, wow, and just blindside us. And it happens so quickly and we're not able to define it. And we find ourselves not as close to God as we should be. Not walking with him where we should be. Now, for the first time, Peter is seeing a side of Jesus that he's never seen before. Jesus is handcuffed and led away by the police. Peter is seeing a side of Jesus he has not ever seen before. And it totally shocks him. And he's walking him away. Think about it. He's used to seeing Jesus silence the critics. He's used to seeing Jesus open blind eyes. He's used to seeing Jesus that when he's pushed and he's pressured and he's fixing to get stoned or thrown off a cliff, just walking right through the midst. But now, Jesus is handcuffed and being led away. Most aren't ready for the harsh truth of reality that comes when walking with Christ. That path includes a cross at some point in life. A place of sacrifice. A place of death. All of a sudden, Christ's destiny of Calvary is coming into view and Simon is uncertain about his future with Jesus. You see, it can be a scary thing when destiny and God gets close. The moment in time when you realize the vehicle transporting you to destiny isn't being controlled by you. It can be a fearful thing. It can be a scary thing. Just that moment 
when all of a sudden you know you're not in control anymore. I've had that moment over and over in my life. And I'm experiencing it once again. I'm realizing that the control, and I'm thankful for it, of my life is not being controlled by me. I don't have any control about what is happening here and there if I'm yielding and submitting to God. And Peter was realizing this. It was a harsh truth and he was uncertain about his future. He was uncertain about where he was going to be with God and what was going to be happening. Remember, he was the one that rebuked Jesus when Jesus started talking about a cross. When Jesus started talking about death, it was Satan that said, oh no, uh -uh, that's not going to happen. And Jesus rebuked him and said, he scolded him. He said, get behind me, Satan. I can imagine Peter walking along there in the distance, just, you know, keeping his eyes on Jesus and saying, I didn't sign up for this. (coughs) I I didn't sign up for this. I tried to fight my way out of it back there in the garden. I had my sword. I wasn't going to let him take Jesus. (coughs) I was ready to stand there and fight. I was ready to stand there and do it my way. But all of a sudden, when I was once again scolded, and I was not in control anymore, then I fled. And I'm just trying to keep my eye just on Jesus. You see, this isn't the path that I imagined my life would go. This isn't the path that I imagined my life to go. I had it planned out a little bit different. But then all of a sudden, I was losing control. I wasn't in control. I wasn't making the decision. It was kind of a scary place. It was an uncertain place. You see, I, 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 I have a wedding gown hanging up in the office, but all of a sudden I realized it wasn't for them, but it was for him. All of a sudden I realized I wasn't making decisions anymore. He was making them. I was turning the wheel, but the car wasn't turning. The vehicle wasn't turning. I tried to fight my way out of it. I tried to fight my way out of this. He tried to do everything possible he could to keep them from taking Jesus, to keep Jesus from going to Calvary. He tried to do everything that he could to keep charge, control of his life. The unknown can cause you to hesitate in being where you know you should be 
and thus causing you to stop where you shouldn't. I'm going to say that again. I want you to get it in your spirit. The unknown can cause you to hesitate in being where you should be and thus causing you to stop where you shouldn't. Watch this. The guard lit a fire in the middle of the courtyard and sat around it. And Peter joined them there. The guards lit a fire in the middle of the courtyard and sat around it. And Peter joined them there. Simon's caught in the middle of a religious group. Simon's caught in the middle of a religious group that's trying to make the word fit the life they desire to live. He's caught in the middle of a religious group that's trying to make the word fit the life that they desire to live. Here's an idea. Quit handcuffing the portions of God's word you don't agree with and just turn it loose in your life and see what happens. Quit handcuffing the portions of God's word you don't agree with and just turn it loose in your life and see what happens. That is why Jesus was there and that is why Peter was there. Because there was a religious group that didn't like the fullness of God's word, but they were willing to settle for portions that fit the lifestyle they were desiring to live. And see, Simon's just trying to blend in here. It's a few few people laughing. They know what they know what that's like. Just trying to blend in here. This guy's sticking out like a fox in a chicken coop. I mean, it's bad. And, and, and you know what? <laughs> Here's the funny thing. Peter's the only one there that doesn't know he don't belong there. <laughs> here we got this group of guys sitting here, you know. <laughs> He's the only one don't have facial hair. So, I mean, it just kind of sticks out like a sore thumb. And Peter's there sitting with these guards, with this religious crown. And three different times, they point him out. You can't be on our side. You're not with us. The world knows you don't belong with them. They know there's something different about you. They know that there's something that you shine with and glow with that ain't of this world. And here we're trying to blend in. That's right, Zoe, help me preach. (laughs) Kind of like a fox, like I said earlier, trying to blend in with the chicken coop. What are you doing here? I was just laying some eggs. We're trying to blend in. The world knows. The church knows. God knows. But it's kind of funny. We're the last one to find out. 
You got to be with him. You're one of the, oh, no, 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 no. I don't know the man. Oh, you're a Galilean. You got, no, 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 no. No, I'm positive. You're, you're, you, you were with him. You're one of his followers. No, 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 no. We just want to blend in. Don't want to rock the boat. Don't want to disturb the current. So we're just trying to, to blend in. You're, you're never going to blend in. You're never going to blend in. He didn't belong there and everybody knew it but him. Now notice that Peter is in the middle of the courtyard. You might say, because that's what the Bible says, it says that they started, they lit a fire in the middle of the courtyard. And Peter joined them there. You might say he is now standing or taking a middle ground stance. He's become one of those middle ground people. Middle ground is a standpoint or area midway between extreme or opposing positions, options or objectives. Simply put, it's a place of compromise. It's a place of compromise. You see, I'm not completely for you, but I'm not completely against you. See, I found some middle ground here, and I must say it's very cozy. Mm. You ever been out camping or, or maybe uh, working building or something? You get that fire going. Uh, or maybe at your house, maybe you have a fireplace. Not very often, but it gets real cold. And boy, that fire just mm, feels so good. I remember my dad was pastoring a church out in West Texas, Pampa, Texas. And he had a whole garage full of uh, firewood. And we'd go out there. And man, it, it gets a little colder there than it does in East Texas. And even to this day, he still accuses me of burning up all of his firewood. <laughs> and just you just keep putting those logs on the fire because it's so cozy. It feels so good. And that's, that's the thing about compromise. That's the thing about trying to blend in. It's just comfortable. But here's the thing. Compromise leads to denial. Compromise leads to denial. Do you notice the slow process here? Do you see what's... Do you see how Simon Peter is just kind of getting drawn and just slowly pulled into this. See, now compromise leads to denial. Here's the compound nature of denial. When we deny who we are in Christ, we deny him. And when we deny Christ, we deny who we are in him. I'm going to say that again. I want you to get it in your spirit. When we deny who we are in Christ, we deny him. When we deny Christ, we deny who we are in him. And if you'll listen closely to the conversation of Christian people, you're going to understand that many of them are living in denial. I can't. It's not going to happen. God's not like that. I would, but I did, but. It's that denial talk of who they really are in Christ or it's the denial talk of who Christ is. Either way, you're denying 
who Christ is, you're denying who you are in him. If you're denying who you are in him, you're denying who he is. And that's where compromise leads. It leads to a place of denial. And Simon Peter found himself there at that fire denying Christ. So in denying Christ, he was denying who he was in Christ. You see, you're anointed. And I don't care what devil in hell tells you you're not. I don't care what sin you committed is telling you you're unworthy. I'm telling you that the word of God says that by his stripes you were healed. The work is done. Mm-mm-mm-mm-mm-mm. I'm telling you that his grace endures forever. I'm telling you that the prodigal, while he was in the pig pen and the slop, was still a son. But I'm also here to tell you that judgment day is coming and God's going to pour out a wrath upon this earth for those who have rejected his son, Jesus Christ, and his love that he sent for us. But it's very easy to get caught up in portions and compromise and denial. And the talk of a lot of Christians is identifying them that they're in a place of denial. We've got to be careful that we don't end up in that place. It was when Peter looked into the windows of the Lord's heart. The Bible says that when that rooster crowed, that Jesus turned and looked. The windows, the eyes are the windows of our heart. It was when Peter looked through the windows of the Lord's heart that he remembered his words. You see, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. God in his word has given the church his heart. Anybody got their Bible with them today? Just hold it up. You're holding God's heart in your hand. For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. God has left his heart to the church. So it was when Simon Peter looked through the window of God's heart (laughs) that he remembered, I believe, more than what's revealed here. What's revealed here is he remembers the words of Christ that Christ said before the rooster crows, You're going to deny me three times. But I believe that when he looked into the windows of God's heart, he not only remembered those words, but he also remembered that Jesus said, I'm praying for you. I'm praying that your faith fail not. And when you repent, the Bible says that he wept bitterly. That's exactly what he did. He went out and repented. He said, then turn to your brothers and strengthen them. That's exactly what Simon was. He was a rock. Peter means stone. Jesus called him that. In other words, he was a chip off the old block. And he strengthened his brothers. You see, there's something about dealing with the wrong through the truth of God's word, which always always brings us back to an opportunity for a right. I want to say that again because that's good stuff. There's something about dealing with the wrong through the truth of the word of God, which always brings us back to an opportunity for a right. Simon Peter finds himself around another fire in John chapter 21. 
This time it wasn't built by some religious group, but by Jesus. At this fire, Peter wasn't trying to blend in, but he was where he belonged. Read about it in chapter 21. It's, it, it's just a phenomenal thing. Once again, Peter tries to convert back to his past. He goes fishing. But once again, I want to tell you what, your past never changes. It's always the same. And once again, it's a night of nothing. Exact place where Jesus found him the first time. But Jesus has a fire going. What was it? This would be the place that would launch Peter into his destiny. From fish to men. From fish to men. This time the question wasn't asked by a servant girl, but by Jesus himself. Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Do you love me more than these? His words, his reply was, yes, Lord. Peter replied, you know I love you. In Acts, the book of the Bible following John, we find Peter taking his text from the Old Testament and declaring the word of the Lord. Taking his text from the Old Testament. Taking his text from the Old Testament. I think it's safe to say God's not through with the Old Testament. He takes his text from the Old Testament and declares the word of the Lord, and 3,000 souls come into the kingdom. They are saved. You see, Peter is fulfilling his purpose in life through the word of God, through the word of God. Each one of us can walk in the fullness of God, of our God-given destiny through the power of God's word for our life. This vehicle, this is the vehicle, the word of God, this is the vehicle that will transport us from where we are to where we need to be in life. It's learning to inhale what God has, is, and will exhale. It's learning to inhale what God has, is, and will exhale. God's given us his word. He's left us his heart. And you know, I don't want to get religious on you. I understand that it's not about how much time you spend reading the Bible. It's not how many scriptures you read or how many verses you read. But I'm telling you what, the Bible needs to be a daily part of your life. In the Lord's Prayer, which is to be prayed daily, I believe that there's a double meaning when it gets to give us this day our daily bread. I believe that bread is not only representative of the temporal that we need, but I believe that it's representative of the internal. God tells us that man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. He is the bread of life. He is the bread that came down from heaven. And we need to know the word. The Bible says to study, to show yourself, approve a workman, not needing to be ashamed, but rightly dividing the word of truth. It amazes me how some people are just taking portions of the Bible and trying to throw it out there and make a doctrine out of it. I 
I mean, look at the whole Bible and see what God is trying to tell us and where he's trying to lead us. It's into our destiny. The word of God will not contradict itself. It won't say one thing in another place and then change its mind in another place. It does not do that. Church, I'm telling you, we've got to come to the place where the word of God is leading, guiding, directing, where it is the vehicle that's taken us into the fullness of our destiny. Would you just bow your heads with me this morning? Father, I thank you for this group of people that are here this morning. I thank you, Lord Jesus, for the wonderful blessing to shepherd them, to pray with them, to disciple them, to impart, God, what you were imparting in my life into theirs. And I pray, O Lord, that you would perfect what you have spoken today in this house and that you bring it to fruition. That, Lord, you bring us, this church, and these people into the fullness of their destiny in you. I pray, God, that we would not live in a place of denial, compromise on middle ground. We would not follow you at a distance. We would draw close to you with our hearts, with our minds, with our spirit, with our lives. That, Lord, we would be willing to take up our cross and follow you. That we would be willing, because of your love for us and all that you have done for us, you first loved us, that we would be willing to respond back to your love and love you, God, the way you love us to love others as you have loved us. God, I pray that your word would be be our daily lives. Not only would we read it, but we would do it, that we would live it out. Because God, it may be the only Bible that some poor soul in this world reads. The life that we demonstrate, the life that we live. And God, we can do all things through Christ which strengthens us. And in, in your In our weakness, your strength is made perfect. God, help us quit denying the power. Lord, help us to set our affections on things above and not on things of this world. Father, help us to submit to you, to resist the devil that he would flee. Help us to flee temptation and shun the very appearance of evil. Father, help us to think on those things which are true, virtuous, noble, honest, lovely, praiseworthy, and a good report. If there be anything good, let us think on those things. Help us to believe the best in others. Help us to seek first the kingdom of God. First the kingdom of God in your righteousness. And let you add these other things. Help us to hunger after holiness that we shall be filled. God, help us to take every imagination thought that would try to exalt itself above the knowledge of God captive and bring it into obedience to Jesus Christ. Father, that we would be holy as you were holy. Not self-righteous, but holy as you were holy. God, help us to be a light. Help us not to cover ourselves up. Help us to shine brightly with you around the fire that the world may see and know you. God, help us to learn to inhale the fullness of what you have, are, and will exhale. 
Lord, I lift this people up and I leave them into your hands because you are able to do far abundantly, exceedingly more than anything I could ever ask, think, or imagine. And I pray your will be done in their lives here on earth as it is in heaven, according to your perfect divine purpose and will. In Jesus' name, amen. Give the Lord a hand clap of praise.